Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In chapter 19, God, first of all, establishes the law of love before he established the law. Then in verse 18, now, if you were with us, you know, we've gone through all the commandments in chapter 20. And uh, if you missed any of those teachings, you can pick them up. We're actually considering packaging them so that it's just a series on the Ten Commandments. And then you can pick that up and you can get it on MP3 or or, or however you choose to pick it up. But here we pick up tonight now. We're in verse 18 after God has given the commandments. He's already established his word. He's established his law. And here's the people's response to it. Notice in verse 18 of chapter 20, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, They trembled and he stood afar off. And then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we, what saints, die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you and that his fear may be upon you so that you may not sin. And so the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. The people hear the Lord speak, and they hear the thunderings. They hear the trumpet. They see the lightning flashing and the mountain smoking. And they say, Moses, don't let God talk to us. And they backed up, and they said, Moses, you talk to God, and then come back and tell us what God says. In other words, listen, they are asking Moses, you can write this in your margin, to become a mediator for them, to be a mediator, which, by the way, makes Moses a type of Jesus in that Jesus, you already know this, he became our mediator. Jesus is the mediator to save us, the mediator between God and between man. 1 Timothy chapter 2, you're familiar with this verse, aren't you? In verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. There is one God, are you listening? There is one God and one mediator between God and man. Listen, saints, in other words, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Let me rephrase that. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Now, I said the same thing three times. 
The reason why I said the same thing three times, because it can't be any more clear. You can't get that any clearer. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man, his name is Jesus. There's no way to say it any different. The only bridge between God and man is Jesus Christ. You understand, saints? I was watching a particular, from a Catholic background, I'll say that. I, uh, many of you know, I went to Catholic school for many, many years, and, and I'm, I'm not, please understand, I'm not into Catholic bashing. I know that there are lots of people who are into all kinds of bashing, and I'm, I'm not into that. Um, I do believe that God's word is true, and every man a liar. That, that's the word. Amen? Amen? That's very true. So being from a Catholic background, I remember learning and being taught that we needed to pray to uh, Mary because Mary was... Um, um, a co-redemptress, uh, a mediator between you and Jesus. And um, so I was taught that. Uh, perhaps you're familiar with the term patron saints. Patron saints. For example, uh, St. Christopher would be the pat- patron saint who, um, the patron saint of travel. Of travel. That's why you will see on many dashboards, on the cars, in cars, a little saint, and that will be Saint Christopher because he's the saint to cover travel. They call them patron saints, and they have saints, patron saints for almost everything. I mean, patron saint over finances, patron saint over over if you're going to travel by boat, um, patron saints for every single thing that you can possibly think of. And you're to pray to the patron saint. Are you listening? You're to pray to the patron saint, and then the patron saint is between you and Jesus. And listen, that's not biblical. The Bible doesn't teach that. There is one God. Matter of fact, would you read it with me? There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The man Christ Jesus. There's one God. There's no need to go to Mary or to a patron saint or even to the priest or to the, to the father of the local parish. These are all of the things that I learned. And when I became a Christian and started reading the Bible, I started and being taught the word. I started, I had to unlearn a ton of things and and to learn what the scriptures had to say so that my relationship with God wasn't burdensome then. You understand? And and so, and I appreciated God for teaching me the things that he did. So, but the Bible is very, very clear. There's one God and one mediator. You know, there was a man in the Bible. His name was Job. And perhaps you know the story of Job as everything was going wrong in Job's life. And you remember Job's wife came to him and said, honey, why don't you just curse God and die? Nice wife. And his friend said to him, man, you must have done something terribly wrong to God. Look what happened to you. Nice friends. 
And Job said, I wish I could go to court and plead my case before God. And then Job said, and, and Job realized that at that point how, how puny and how finite he was and how great God was. And then Job said, I look everywhere and I can't find him. God is vast and I am nothing. And he said, I wish in Job, he said, I wish that there was a daysman, that word daysman, D-A-Y-S-M-E-N, a daysman. Job said, I wish there was a daysman or a mediator or a umpire to who could take his hand, Job said, I wish, and put his hand on me. Job said, I wish he could take his other hand and put his hand on God and thus bridge, a, bridge the gap between man and God. Job, way back in the book of Job, was praying that there was some mediator between God and man. Are you with me? Job was praying that. And and here Jesus comes along in the Gospels, and Jesus says, I'm the mediator. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can cross the, the, the gap unless they come through me. Because he hung on the cross, bridging the gap. You understand? And then Paul even comes by later in First Timothy. We just read it, and he agrees with that. Years later, that there's one God and one mediator between God and man, and that man is Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ can touch God and touch man because he became flesh, the Bible says, and he dwelt among us. Amen, saints? You understand? And so here in our text, they're saying, Moses, you become a mediator between man and God. And right after God speaks, notice in verse 19 in your Bibles, right after God speaks, the people are stunned. And they said, Moses, you speak. We don't want to come near lest we die. Would you underline that in your Bible? This is very, very, very important. We don't want to get close to God lest we die. Listen, saints, this is a clear illustration of the power of the word of God in the lives of people. A clear illustration. God's word, did you know, give me your attention, look at me. Did you know that God's word makes people uncomfortable? Which, by the way, is exactly what it's intended to do. If you hear God's word week after week, month after month, year after year, and you are not challenged and convicted and even at times uncomfortable, either God's word is not being taught accurately or somebody's not listening. You cannot just sit under the word of God and not be affected by it. It's impossible. You cannot sit under the clear teaching of God's word and not be affected by it. Hebrews chapter 4, I won't have you turn there, but you could write it down. And if you turn quick, then, then turn there. But Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 12, and it's, it's really a great verse. It says, for the word of God, are you listening, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints in the marrow, And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's word is powerful. God's word is living. And when God's word is taught, listen, it attacks and challenges the flesh. 
God's word attacks and challenges the flesh and deals a death blow to our flesh. The word of God pierces and penetrates to the core of the heart. And if you are caught up in the flesh, God's word will make you uncomfortable. And, and when that happens, listen, some people like Israel, they say, hey, don't let God speak to us. I, I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to go to Bible study anymore. I don't want to be challenged anymore. I don't want to hear that anymore lest I die. Just like Israel said. Just like the Bible says will be men's comments in the last days, the Bible says that men will have itchy ears. You know, this term itchy ears is actually a figure of speech for those who itch for novelty. Are we not living in a culture where people itch for novelty? It also means they itch so much that their ears are red. They're just red. It's like almost if you took your hands and just constantly did this all day, every day, all day, every day, looking, listening for some new novelty, your ears would be red, itchy ears, wanting to hear some new thing. And that's what we see in the church today. If you want to hear some new thing, listen, there's plenty of it out there. But remember, I told you, if it's new, it's probably not true. And if it's true, it's probably not new. But if you want to hear some new thing, there's plenty of it out there. In the last days, men will want to hear some new thing. It was Henry Ironside who said they want preachers who tickle their fancy, not trouble their conscience. They want preachers who tickle their fancy and not trouble their conscience. And I'll tell you something. Again, my intent here is not to cast aspersion or be disrespectful to any group of people. But I will tell you this. This is why the seeker feel-good messages are popular today. This is exactly why. Because in a seeker environment, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with seeker churches or seeker-sensitive churches, and basically they take out any mention of anything that's going to deal a death blow to your flesh. Well, we don't talk about sin because that doesn't make your flesh feel good. We don't talk about holiness and accountability and responsibility because that won't make your flesh feel good. People today want feel-good sermons. And whenever they hear a sermon that is convicting to their flesh, they quit going to Bible study. They quit going to that church because it makes them uncomfortable. And then what happens is pastors see that the church is dwindling because lots of pastors don't miss. Look, I am a pastor and I, I love my fellow pastor brothers. I don't care what denomination you're from. I know what it takes to be a pastor. I know what it takes to get in this pulpit. I know what it takes for a pastor's wife to have to put up with that man. And don't y'all dare say amen. I know it's a, it's a beautiful thing. A pastor's wife, y'all just don't know. Now you can say amen. Y'all just, you just don't, you don't know. You don't know. There would be no me here if it weren't for my wife, Elvira, period, 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 period. I know that's right. And most, many of you who know us know that's right. I, I, I'm not against pastors, and I know what it takes. And what happens is many men of God, they start off well. You did run well. Who did hinder you? 
They start well. They start teaching the word. They start in the things of the word of God. They start reading the Bible to people and just watching people's lives change. And, and, and then as the ministry goes on a while, and then they start getting into things that challenge the flesh, and they have to start dealing with things that are not, you know, popular and saying things that don't make people feel good. And then when people start leaving the church, then they start thinking, man, people are leaving the church. What am I going to do now? Well, I better soften my message. I know what I'm talking about because that temptation has been on me too. I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing that. You know, honestly, you know, hey, listen, you know, I I, I always say this. You know, I do. If you get offended by God's word, say ouch or amen. You understand? Say ouch or amen. No, no, no. I didn't write it. Don't get mad at me. You got a problem with God's word. You take that up with God. This is not my word. It's his word. But, the, but they start to see that people are not coming. Okay, well, I got to do something. You know, maybe I didn't talk about sin so much. I mean, you know, get people a break. Lighten up. I mean, a little bit of flesh ain't going to kill nobody. A little bit. And before you know it, just like cancer, it begins to spread. And now you have to change your message altogether. And now you're just talking about good stuff, how to be the best you. <laughs> what? How to be the best you? Ain't nothing good about you. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Your best self. Your best self. I better move on. (laughs) You know, but God's word challenges. Amen, saints, you understand? And when God's word begins to challenge you, you either start saying, you know what? I need to deal with this flesh. I need to deal with my life. I need to repent of my sin. I need to get right with God. I need to start walking with God and doing what God's called me to do. Or you say, you know, I don't want to go to that church anymore. They talk too much about stuff I don't want to hear. And you just keep jumping around till you find somebody that's telling you what you want to hear. And you go in the church and you, <laughs> uh, no. And you go to another church. That's what happens. And the, and the people, when, when God began to speak... And God began to, you know, lay down this law. The people are like, Moses, look, you go. We don't want to go near God unless we die. But then notice what Moses said in verse 20. Notice the people's reaction is fear. But Moses tells the people, Moses said in verse 20, are you looking at it? Do not fear, for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. Now, listen, God doesn't want us to be afraid of him. Amen. But God does want us to have a healthy fear of him. What's the difference? God doesn't want you to be afraid of him. Like, oh, we better not go near God because God's going to get, you know, you know, you go near God. No, not that kind of fear. But the word that's used here in the Hebrew language is not fear like I'm afraid of God, as if God's going to hurt me, but a fear meaning a reverential respect for God, 
a healthy fear of God. It's like your children. You don't want your children to be fearful of you, but you want your children to be fearful of you. I mean, parents, you understand what I'm saying? Yes, you do. I mean, you don't want them to be like, come, dad, dad, can I, you know, dad, can I have 50 cent? <laughs> you know, get out of here, kid. I mean, no, you, you know, you don't want that kind of relation, but you do want them to come to you and say, dad, hey, would you mind? With some kind of respect, with some respect. I mean, you want 50 cent, that's fine. You're going to pay me back, but that's what that's from. <laughs> But some respect, you understand? And so that's what God wants. God wants his kids to be respectful. You know, I found a great definition for the fear of God. Listen at this. The definition reads this. The acute awareness, and I like this definition for the fear of God. It's the acute awareness of the presence of God's power that produces in me a sense of awe and calls forth from me honor and respect and reverence. Don't you love that? The acute awareness of the presence of God's power that produces in me a sense of awe and calls forth from me honor, respect, and reverence. That's what God wants. God wants us to fear him. God wants us to have a healthy, reverential reverence for him. Because Psalm 11, 111, pardon me, verse 10 says this. It says, the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs chapter one, verse seven says the fear of the Lord is a beginning of knowledge. Talking about the fear of God, the respect and the reverence of God. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27 says the fear of the Lord prolongs days. Proverbs 19, verse 23, it says the fear of the Lord leads to life and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. It's good to fear God. Amen, saints. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 says, To fear God is the chief end of man. Do you know Solomon said that? He said the fear of God is the chief end of man. Solomon wrote that. And you know Solomon's story. Solomon had it all. He had money. He had power. He had women. He had everything that he wanted. And yet, when he came to the end of his life, he said it was all empty and it was all vain. Solomon said the chief end of man is the fear of God and the keeping of God's commandments. If you want to be happy, then fear God and keep God's commandments. Notice in verse 22. Let's move on. Look at verse 22. Then the Lord, in verse 22, you're looking at it. Then the Lord said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, you have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver. God saying, don't make any idols and put them alongside of me. Gods of silver, gods of gold, you shall not make for yourselves An altar of earth, in verse 24, you shall make for me and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. And if you make me, in verse 25, an altar of stone, you shall not build it 
of hewn stone or don't chisel at it. I'll explain in a minute. For if you use your tool on it, you have profaned the altar. Nor shall you go up by steps to my altar that your nakedness may not be exposed on it. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. Notice God gives the law and then he instructs them to build an altar. God gives the law and then he instructs them to build an altar. After the law was heeded, an altar was needed. Interesting. In other words, listen, when a person really hears the law of God, the word of God, you realize I'm a sinner and I need a savior and I need a sacrifice to take away that sin. That's what God is teaching them. So God tells them to build him an altar. And then he gives them the details for that altar. It was to be an altar of earth or an altar of stone. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.